Hey folks, welcome to Thinline Believers. So on today's episode, I'm going to have a guest, a buddy of mine named Jay Stearns, and, and Jay and I are going to have a good conversation about uh, the gospel, uh, what it means to him. We're going to hear a bit of Jay's story, uh, just a little bit of it, and we're going to talk about why it's so important to be sharing the gospel in today's day and age, and, and why it's it's a little more uh, time-sensitive that we do so. So hopefully you'll enjoy the show, and I also wanted to get on here before that interview and just thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, your support has really helped us to keep keep going with this thing, and we have been reaching a few more people, which is great, and the only way that we can really do that is if you folks are able to, to share this info with others. Maybe this is a good way for you to uh, share the gospel, maybe, maybe it's not, but our goal hasn't really been to share it with the entire world, although, I mean, that would be fantastic, right? But the goal really is to continue to reach you folks with quality material to help guide you in, along in your walk with Christ and help you along the road through your career and help you to understand that God is there with you, regardless of what you're going through. So, anyhow, thank you for listening. Hopefully you'll enjoy this interview with Jay. And if you have guests, you have input, let us know. You can email us, thinlinebelievers at gmail. You can also message us on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, Steve is pretty good about, especially the Facebook stuff, getting back to folks. And and so, yeah, enjoy. Welcome to Thin Line Believers. Uh, today I've got a guest. My guest today is is Jay Stearns. Uh, Jay is a detective with, with uh, Newburgh Police Department. And uh, he and I have... Uh, well, we connected a while back because we're both believers and we both have kind of a similar outlook on, on prophecy and, and, you know, where in general the world is headed and our excitement, you know, at the same time, our, um, concern, you know, for, for some, some other folks. And so anyway, I invited Jay to come on today and he was good enough to join me via Skype, even though we live what, 30, 20 minutes apart, but. Yeah, probably not quite a stone's throw, but pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, this this just just too easy. So uh, anyway, Jay, if you wouldn't mind introducing yourself and tell us your background a little bit. Yeah. How's it going? Um, geez, I don't even know where to start, man. I, you talked about Bible prophecy. I love Bible prophecy. Uh, I can remember, I think two thousand and. Yeah, it was 2001. I lived in Brazil, and uh, I was studying uh, with a pastor there, Ryan Sugai was his name, and we started touching on Matthew 24. And I think I got the bug right there for for Bible prophecy. And I, I can just I remember going to bed that night and then waking up the next day like totally bummed out that Jesus didn't return that night. You know, I was convinced. You know, based on the signs in Matthew 24 that he was coming back. You know, and I think at that time, maybe there was some rumors about the European Union being uh, broken up into like 10, you know, units. So I feel oh, that's the 10. I, I just, you know, in my mind at, at 20 years old, you know, that made sense. And so I was like, that's it. He's coming back. And but um, yeah, I, that that love for for the Lord's return is is increased in my life. And uh, uh, 2000 and. 12 i started listening to a jd farag he does these weekly bibles um 
Bible prophecy updates online. Um, I was listening to it back with the old MP3 player, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think if there's any crown that I'm going to get, it's that one. Though. And that's probably the only crown I'll get is the one for longing for his return. You know? <laughs> nice. Yeah, and, and in case you're wondering what, what he's referring to, I mean, the Bible talks about several crowns. There's there's the crown of, you know, the one who's always looking for his return. And and there's others, you know, one who shares, the, those who share the gospel. And and there's others that I don't remember off the top of my head. But, yeah, several several crowns that were promised. And, and uh, you know, you might be thinking, well, why do I want a crown? Well, because it talks about in Revelation that we're going to cast our crowns before him because he is deserving of all that stuff. And, well, I tell you what, I want to make sure there's something on my head to cast before God when I get there. because he's worthy of that but so um what's uh what's your background like though what where did you grow up what do you you know where do you come from what's your deal jay what is your deal yeah. what is my deal uh i was born in texas uh, dallas texas so uh cowboys fan sorry um no we're sorry for you for, yeah no no <laughs> oh bye-bye jason garrett um <laughs> My parents uh, were believers, and I was brought up in a Lutheran church, which is kind of more like uh, Catholicism a little bit. Um, stand up, sit down, hymns, um, you know, saying the, the catechism, learning the catechism. Um, so it was more uh, formal, I guess. It was a little more formal. Uh, and I, uh, but uh, when I was 12, right before my 13th birthday, I went to a, a church camp. Camp Lutherwood. It was like a horse camp. And I spent the whole week taking care of horses. And we would actually take our horses out and, and sleep under the stars. And it was just a neat experience. And then uh, I spent that week because I knew about God. And, and I, you know, I thought that I, um, I, I suppose I, I thought I was a believer even at that point, you know. But that week I just spent talking to, talking to the Lord and just having this kind of friendship with God. And then uh, I turned 13 on the last day of camp. And I stayed up all night. Because uh, I wanted to, I wanted to become a teenager, and I wanted to just, I just wanted to stay up till midnight. You know, and I remember right at midnight, uh, there was like a shooting star that went across this, my my view, and I thought that was pretty cool. And then, anywho, Dad picked me up, and we're driving home from Camp Lutherwood in his Ford Taurus, and and the uh, the song "Lion Sleeps Tonight" came on the oldies station, uh-huh. and I just for whatever reason started making up my own words to it. You know, so. And I can't remember the words, something about up in heaven, God loves me, watches over me. But uh, at that moment, I, it, it was like God opened up heaven and just started. I, I realized, one, that God was real and that he, he actually loved me. And I just remember just bawling my eyes out. My dad's like, what's wrong with you? You know, I said, Dad, crash the car. I'm ready to go home. You know, I want to go be with Jesus. But I, I think that was the moment that I was really um, – that, that that's the moment I look back at uh, where I was, I know I truly can, can stake um, a, a stake in the ground there that I was saved. And, and I remember dad too, he was impacted by that. He was crying as we're, we're both crying together, you know, uh, came back home, life goes on, became a teenager. Teenagers have their own problems and uh, <laughs> ended up moving to, I'm moving around a bunch. So I ended up in Salem, Oregon. And then I went to, uh, uh, I went to college, went to Oregon State, met my, my wife, and uh, we got involved at a, a really good Bible teaching church, Calvary Chapel Corvallis, and then uh, I took a term off of college to go live in Brazil, 
no really real reason. My friends were missionaries down there, so I went to live with them and just kind of lived on the beach and uh, couldn't speak Portuguese. So I spent the the four months that I was there just kind of reading the Bible and uh, I journaled through the Old Testament and a good portion of the New Testament and um, just kind of met with the Lord there and uh, came back. I, during that time, I missed my girlfriend quite a bit, so uh, which is now my wife. And, as soon as I got back, I asked her to marry me. I was like, I'm not doing, I don't want to be apart from her again. Uh, I got married right away. We had a kid that was, um, that wasn't something that we planned necessarily, but, uh, certainly was God's plan. Do people actually plan that? I think some people, cause did. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, I was practicing. So, <laughs> well, my third one, we, yeah, that's a whole nother story. Cause we we thought we were done with him. Um, <laughs> But, but yeah, so my oldest is now, uh, he's 15, man. He's driving and uh, that's a whole nother, whole nother world, uh, raising a teenager, but, Jeez. but, but yeah, so, um, you know, life just kind of goes on. I, I, I had a job. I always wanted to be a cop. My father was a police officer and I loved that. I thought that would have been a fun job. But my wife from Southern California, you know, she, she thought the life of a, of a cop was super dangerous because she, you know, she'd be watching TV and they'd interrupt the whatever program she was watching because for a high speed chase, you know, or a bank <laughs> robbery there, and you know, cause that's LA County. And yeah. so I think she thought in her mind, that's what being a cop is going to be like for everybody, you know? And, and I was like, honey, it's, it's, you know, I was applying or I wanted to be a cop here in, in Willamette Valley. You know, there's not a whole lot of car chases and bank robberies that I was, at least not the agencies that I was going to probably work at, but, uh, Anyways, that was one of the few things that we argued about, and uh, so I just was like, you know what, I'll just get a normal job, and I'll just, so I worked for FedEx for like five years, just delivering packages, and that was a, it was a good job, um, and I was happy to have a happy wife, happy wife, happy life, and then uh, a friend of mine became a state trooper, he was a FedEx guy, and uh, one day, my wife was watching me talk to him after he didn't get back from the academy and he was showing me all the cool, you know, moves that you learn at the academy, you know, arm bar, tank, <laughs> whatever, you know, all the stuff that we never use. But yeah. Um, yeah. And she just, she just had this kind of <clears throat> acknowledgement between her and God. She said, you know what? I, Jay is bulletproof until God calls him home. That was kind of her words. And, um, and so she said, I don't want to keep you from doing what you want. So you can go ahead and uh, you can be a cop if you want. So, I went ahead and applied like that night for every agency that I possibly could and before she changed her mind, you know, and next thing you know, it, I got hired on in uh, a little town of Silverton and, and uh, we still have that, that mindset, you know, it's, it's that uh, God is, um, our days are numbered and God has a, uh, he's, I'm bulletproof until that day. Nothing's going to take me away earlier than when God has uh, that day planned for me. And so I think as long as we've had that attitude, my wife's had that attitude, she's, she's at peace with that. And um, yeah, so it's been a good ride, man. Since uh, 2011, I moved from Silverton to, uh, to Newburgh PD. And uh, I just love that agency. I love the people I work with. And um, I definitely see the Lord's hand in, in, in how he, um, has kept some certain relationships going from ba way back in the academy till now, and, and I can honestly say that uh, the Lord is the Lord is doing a work in our agency right now. Um, mm -hmm. you know, there's some cool stuff going on, and I'm I'm happy to be a part of it. Cool. Well, how how is uh, being a cop? How how is that? 
kind of shaped your relationship with God. I mean, you know, everybody's got a different story and, and kind of what brings them closer, pushes them further away. I mean, what's your deal? You know, for me, it's kind of been a, a not a negative, but um, there were times, man, before I was a cop where I, I felt like I was more sensitive maybe to the spirit of the Lord. And then as, as you become a cop, you know, you, you kind of learn how to, how to read people and then how to keep yourself safe. And um, I don't want to say like profile people, that's the wrong word, but um, you know, you're hyper vigilant. You're always, you're always kind of on, on the lookout for, for threats and stuff. So, whereas I used to go out and share the gospel, you know, out I don't know that I I've done that in a long time, you know, because I find like I'm, oh, I'm in cop mode, you know, when I'm in downtown Salem or something, you know, and so I don't, I don't know, you know, at church, for instance, I sit in the back now with my, with my back to the wall so that I can see everyone's coming in. Cause I'm worried about a threat. I never used to think like that. And I don't like that part about the job, how it's changed me in that way. But uh, a few years ago, I, I think I just came to the realization that, that is something that God has allowed for me to, to kind of change. And uh, the, I, there's no harm in being someone in the back of the church ready to protect, you know. And, uh, and so that's just kind of where I'm at. I'm not saying I, I love that part about the job, but it has changed me. For better or for worse, it has changed me. Um, and I, I can't... I can't say yes or no. It, it's, it is what it is. Well, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I, I do the same thing and I'm sure if there's people that <laughs> watching me, I probably look like a paranoid freak because I'm <laughs> constantly looking around at everybody. I mean, everybody else is yeah. praying with their heads down, eyes closed and I'm looking around at people. And I, I just think that that's, you know, that, that comes with the job. But at the same time, I, I don't think that, God loves a sheepdog too, man. You know? Yeah. So I don't think that's a bad thing. And there's certain things that I'm sure that you've become more sensitive to since becoming a cop. And, you know, that hyper vigilance can kind of help you pick up on some, you know, spiritual things, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's a couple, you know, at some point you just kind of got to give it over to God and be like, all right, God. Because I look back and I, it's clear how he brought me into law enforcement and I can, I can say that at a hundred percent. So I just like, all right, God, you did this. Like you, you, you brought me here. So, um, I'm just giving this to you, you know, whatever struggles I have. And just, you know, Matthew is 11, 28, you know, he talks about, uh, Jesus, uh, talks about come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden and, and, and I will give you rest, take my yoke upon you and, and learn from me for my yoke is, my burden is easy or my burden is light. I, I can't quote it, but um, just giving him our burdens, you know, and just putting him at his, at his feet. And, and that's something that, that you have to learn to do. And I'm, I'm learning how to do that, you know, and um, any burden I have, just giving it to him and saying, all right, God, you can, you can, you can handle this a lot better than I can. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that sounds like a pretty good segue actually. And what's funny is that has been the, uh, Basically, the topic over the last three weeks at my church has been Matthew eleven twenty eight, which is kind of funny. But oh, so, yeah. So, but I wanted to kind of segue into uh, 
you know, current events a little bit. I, I know we chatted just for a minute before I started recording this about, you know, Iran um, and, I mean, a ton of other stuff that, you know, unless you're looking at those prophecy updates or actually doing the research yourself and and really being uh, keyed into what's going on throughout the world, you may be ignorant to some of this stuff, which is, I mean, there's there's good and bad associated with that, right? Um, we want to we want to be informed, but not to scare, you know, but to prepare. And when the uh, you know Salami Salamani was killed over there uh, in Iraq, you you could sense a lot of fear in a lot of people, and you can see it on the news. Um, and part of that is you know this ridiculous you know partisan politics. Yeah. trying to, you know, fear monger and everything else, but some of it's genuine and you could see a lot of fear in people. And so, you know, I, I kind of hinted that I wanted to talk about fear and why, why it is that even when the rest of the world is fearful, we don't need to be. And this is something that I've actually been learning and it, and it didn't really have to do with Iran. It kind of had to do with a work situation, but you know, fear, complaining, that kind of stuff, in my opinion, and I'm sure yours too, it kind of shows a distrust for God, where he has you, where, where he's bringing you. And, and, you know, sometimes, especially in my case, I just needed to uh, shut up. And the majority of my complaining was going straight to God, but at the same time, you know, that doesn't show a whole lot of trust, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I remember a couple of weeks ago, you know, when I ran, um, well, after the, the death of Soleimani and then Iran retaliated, you know, you and I had called each other and it was big news, you know, that was a huge deal. And of course it was a, on everyone's news feeds and it got us thinking about, Bible prophecy and yeah and, and I can recall even having a conversation with a coworker who mentioned that one of his family members was you know upset she was crying because she was worried about some things and uh, and yeah that fear and I, I can remember Pastor Rob saying this and I don't think he coined this term um, Pastor Rob of uh, Calvary Corvallis and uh, he said uh, fear and faith are mutually exclusive you, you can't do both at the same time hmm. um Meaning you got to choose if you're going to have fear or if you're going to have faith. And, uh, you know, easier said than done, of course. Um, but, the, you know, the Hebrews, the, the Hebrew nation, you know, as they were, God had done all these awesome things for them, you know, to get them from slavery in Egypt, out of slavery, through the Red Sea, then they're in the wilderness and it's this really a like I think it was like an eleven day journey from the Red Sea to the Jordan River, and they're supposed to cross the Jordan River, go into the Promised Land, the land of Canaan. They're supposed to take it, and it takes them forty years. And it, the reason it took them forty years is because Moses had sent out these twelve spies, and ten of them came back with this really negative report, and they said, you know what, we can't do it. We can't, there's these, there's these giants in the land and it's just, there's no way we're going to be able to do it. We're doomed. Woe is us. You know, you got two guys, Joshua and Caleb. They're like, no, no, we can do it. We can do it. 
But they had seen all the plagues that God had done in Egypt. They had seen the Red Sea part. You know, they had seen this God and his spirit, a, a, a pillar of fire by night, a cloud by day. They had seen God be faithful, but that they chose to uh, just not believe that he could do what he said he could do. And and it was for that that God said, fine, you're, you're not going to enter into my rest. And um, that sad story, you know, they ended up wandering in the wilderness for for that 40 years. And, but God didn't really get upset with them over uh, necessarily, a, you know, because they did one particular sin or because, you know, they were, you know, idolatry or whatever it was. He, he said, it's because you didn't believe me, you know, and um, God wants us to trust in him. He wants us to believe in him. And, and there's such a, but that is a process. I'm not, I don't want to harp on anybody if you're struggling with, with, unbelief or fear but um i guess when it comes to bible prophecy you know that almost a almost two almost a third excuse me i think it's like 33 percent of our bible is prophetic it's what distinguishes this bible your the word of god from other holy writings or you know other um religious writings it's because prophecy is in there it's god has written down what will happen in the future and much of that has already occurred you know and it it was so detailed that when the jews when jesus came riding into the uh jerusalem on a donkey the, the people that were paying attention that knew their word they knew the day that he was going to come back you know and so they were re- waiting and they were ready and uh and so there's all this stuff that that hasn't happened yet but we can trust because god has a hundred percent track record that it'll come true and so i think if you're struggling if anyone out there is struggling with you know fear you could know that what god has said is going to happen it's going to happen you can trust in him and then um just knowing that he's in control obviously if he can write about it and he can tell us what's going to happen he's already he knows what's going to happen. He's in control. We can trust in him. And um, so, yeah, man, I, I think, I, I think that's why I love God's word so much is it, it, it gives me that assurance that I'm on the right path and, uh, and being on the right path causes me to maybe not have so much fear, I guess, when it comes to these things, because I know how it ends and it ends yeah. well for those who are children of God. This yeah. world, and again, I'm not, I didn't coin this phrase. I've heard it before, but this earth, this life right now for me as a believer and for you, if you're a believer is as bad as it's ever going to get. But for a non-believer, this world is as good as it's ever going to get. So if you don't know Jesus, I don't know how, if you do this on this show, man, but this is the time to put your faith in Christ and, um, and then when you put your faith in Christ, something awesome happens is he puts his Holy Spirit inside of you and, and you become a, you become a child of God. And that it says that there's this peace of God, which transcends, transcends understanding will fill your hearts and your minds. And it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. You know, you and I have both got to, uh, I mean, not only have we experienced that, but we have both had the honor to share the gospel with some other people and kind of see them start to take off 
and you can see a change in them. You know, it's pretty cool. And, you know, the Bible says that he will know us, but, you know, we'll know them by their fruits. And it's pretty cool to see some people start bearing some good fruit, you know, mm-hmm. um, including a couple of guys that you work with, which has been fantastic to watch. It's been exciting. Yeah. And, you know, um, so it's fun. It's fun. But it's also, you know, it's a, there's a dire need for it right now. And we talked about Ezekiel 38 and 39 and some other prophecies on here. And, you know, something maybe we haven't touched on, I don't recall if we have or not, is the, the political state in Israel, uh, the political state in the United States. Uh, the economic state of Russia, which is not good. Uh, the economic state of Israel, which is fantastic. It's phenomenal. They're sitting on more natural gas. I mean, people are estimating it's like the record amount of natural gas ever found anywhere in the world. And so they're getting customers from Europe that were formerly Russia's customers, right? And so, I mean, these things are lining up. And if you don't believe that's that can be terrifying. Uh, especially when we talk about Russia in this country, you know, I mean, depending on how old we are, you you think back to the Cold War days and stuff like that. And it's no better now. It's just different. Um, I'd say, you know, the main difference is technology and the way that we do attack each other. But it can be terrifying. But, you know, like you say, I, I know where my hope comes from. And even though every once in a while we do get that sense of fear, we're not alone in that. I mean, you talked about Matthew 11. Uh, We were reading Luke 12 also in church today, and it talks about, you know, uh, worry about nothing. Because basically, you know, in substance, that God takes care of everything. Uh, He closed the field. You know, he covers the fields with flowers and Solomon in all of his glory was not as beautiful as them. And yet God takes care of him. He takes care of the sparrow, which, you know, was the cheapest of of critters that you could buy back in biblical times to, you know, offer as a sacrifice. And and even though they were, you know, considered super cheap, God still kept his eye on them and, and provided for them. And so, you know, that's that was just kind of a, a reminder for me. And. And uh, a reiteration of what we wanted to talk about today, that we don't need to worry. We don't need to be afraid. And even if we are, uh, we're not alone. There are people in the Bible. I mean, if you read the book of Psalms, you're going to find out that David, who was called a man after God's own heart, was terrified all the time. He had a little more reason to be terrified than I do. Uh, mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. But yeah, terrified all the time. And so what you're saying is absolutely right. But, you know you and I are living in a time where uh, information is at our fingertips, but sometimes we need to shut that junk off and come into the presence of the Lord where we'll actually find peace. Cause it's not always in, in uh, absorbing more, more knowledge that we're going to find that peace. It's going to be in the presence of God and, and trusting in his word, like you say, and you can go through there and, and if you get into the prophecies and study how they, how they came to be, um, that's, that's something that, like you're saying that, that helps me get through. So. Well, I think God admonishes us to know the word and to know specifically the times that we live in, you know, I know 
you share about Bible prophecy with someone and some almost always someone will say like, oh, well, that's been something that everyone's been talking about for years and nothing has happened. And that's a, a an argument that they have. Well, I think Second Peter talks about, about that as being a fulfillment of prophecy in and of itself. Yeah, people saying that. exactly. But if you just do the math today, we are one day closer than we've ever been before to the return of the Lord. And I think we should know. And I think what gets me excited when I start to have those doubts, because, you know, I'll be honest, sometimes I'm like, gosh, like I said, in 2001, I thought that that night when I went to bed, Jesus was going to come back, you know, because I thought nothing else has to happen. The rapture can happen any minute now. And he did. And I was a little bummed. And But the thing is, is really since May 14th, 1948, that's a big date, right? That's when Israel became a nation again. And I think that that was kind of the, the stopwatch got, got started. I think it had been paused and I think it got started again. And that's from Daniel and probably won't get into that today, but um, there's just that whole birth pain analogy that Jesus uses in Matthew 24. And if you had kids you know what it's like when your wife goes into labor and she has that first contraction. It's sort of strong, not, not super strong, but it's, it's there. And then there's another one about, you know, 20 minutes later and then another one and they get closer and closer together, greater intensity, greater frequency. And then the baby is yelling very loudly in the, in the, in the OBG, whatever it's called room, um, baby's born man, we have so many of these things happening. I don't remember a time. I mean, just think back 10 years ago. Were there were there 6.5 earthquakes happening like on a regular basis? I, that was big news back then. But now it seems like I don't even pay attention anymore because there's so many major earthquakes. And any of the things that Jesus said, they're, they're just happening at a great intensity, great frequency. And then you all that together with Russia, Iran, Turkey, now Libya, they're all kind of lining up. And so I, all that just tells me, boy, I really do think that Jesus is going to come back soon. And you know what? If I'm wrong, if I have to wait until I'm an old man and I die or, you know, I get in a car accident or whatever, if I, if I die longing for the Lord's return, loving his return, what harm does that do me? All right. None. I get a crown for that. And like you said, man, we're going to be we're going to be laying those at his feet. And I was thinking about that song that we'll be singing, the the twenty four elders in, in Revelation chapter four. It's just, they say, yeah, you know, holy, 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 yeah, yeah. And then you're worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. I'm going to memorize that because I want to make sure I know that when I go up there. Man. I want to be like, hey, what's what's the words to this song? I'm going to I got to memorize that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be it can be scary though. You know, it can be scary if uh, if if you don't really understand it. Um, but realistically, it can be scary if if you step out your door, not really knowing where you're going to go. So uh, I suppose, well, you know, you, you called me the other day and were telling me about how you were listening to, you know, Greg Glory preach about how it's time to start sharing the gospel and uh, 
I mean, kind of like a shotgun Kelly, right? It's time to start sharing the gospel and doing it quick and, and, you know, doing your work for the kingdom because time is short. So, um, yeah. What's the gospel, Jay? Let's, let's finish on the, on a high note here. Let's finish with the gospel and, and what it means. Yeah. I don't think you're going to regret sharing with others. You know, it is scary. It is, you're putting yourself out there for sure. But, uh, if you're a child of God, you know, your citizenship's in heaven and you're just, you're just an ambassador. You're, uh, you're an ambassador for Christ, you know, and I, I was just, as you're talking, man, I'm just, go back to the beginning, you know, Adam, God, God from the beginning had a, had a plan and he, he made this beautiful garden and the world was, you know, pretty much perfect. And he put this man, Adam in there and he formed Adam out of the dust and he breathed life into his nostrils. And it says that they walked together. They had this relationship together they they'd walk and it just sounds like a really sweet sweet time and and then uh god made eve woman from adam and and everything was perfect that was always god's plan to have this relationship with man but then adam and eve they screwed up and uh because god didn't force them to have a relationship with them he gave them a choice Uh, he didn't make robots you know so he gave them a choice and said uh, hey there's a tree in the garden don't eat from it that was the only thing that they really had to do is not eat from that tree and of course we know the story they they did they ate from the tree and then they immediately says they they realized that they were naked and they felt the shame and the bible says that they they did something interesting they took fig leaves and they uh, they tried to cover up their shame with these itchy fig leaves you know it didn't didn't probably probably didn't do very good job of that but uh when they sinned, something happened is uh, that relationship that Adam had with God, that walking with him in the garden, that intimate fellowship was severed. It was broken. There was something now separating Adam from uh, from God, and that was his sin. And and so God said, hey, you guys got to leave the garden. And sad story, but before, he, before they left the garden, God did something really neat. Is he took an animal, um, an innocent animal, and he... He, he killed that animal and he took the hide of that animal and he made proper clothing to cover Adam and Eve. The fig leaves that they had tried, they had tried to cover themselves, but it wasn't, it didn't do the trick. And so God took an innocent animal and he killed that animal and, and made a proper covering for them so that their, their, their shame could be covered. And even just from the beginning, there was this picture of what God had ultimately planned and you know, Jesus, or in, uh, in Exodus, we have, we're introduced to these Ten Commandments that God has. You know, thou shalt not have any other gods, thou shalt not murder. There's, there's ten of them. You probably have heard them. The thing is, is if you've read those, you've probably come to the realization, you should come to the realization that you're probably not going to be able to keep all those commandments. You're not going to be able to do it. And um, to sin means to miss the mark. You know, God says, be holy as I am holy. Be perfect as I'm perfect. And uh, that's the standard there. You got to be perfect to be in the presence of a holy God. Well, we can't. And so what happened was God sent his only son. He came down as a, a little baby. He was born of the Virgin Mary and he lived this perfect life. He never sinned like you and me. We sin all the time. He never sinned. And then when he was 33 years old, he died on a cross and God 
placed all the sins of mankind, of your sins and, and my sins and everyone's sin, and he placed it on Jesus, kind of like that innocent animal there that Jesus had, that God had killed in the garden. Uh, he placed all the sins of mankind on Jesus, and uh, and his his blood covers the sin of mankind. And so, all God asks is that you just one acknowledge that you're a sinner. That's easy to do when you read the Bible, and then He asks that you uh, believe on His Son Jesus, that He came and died for your sins and rose again, because He did. After three days, He rose from the dead. And then he asks that you confess your sins and say, Lord, I want you to be, I want, I want that, what you did on the cross, I want that to be applied to my life. And if you'll do that, you can be saved. And it's pretty easy. We're saved by what we believe, not necessarily on how we behave. And I'm happy for that because I could never behave well enough to get into heaven. But one day, if you're a believer, you'll stand before God and, uh, and it, it, it's going to be an awesome experience. But there will be people that, will die someday and they'll go before what's called the white throne judgment and their sins although they were forgiven on the cross those people will have never accepted that free gift of salvation and that's a terrible thought so if you want to know jesus today all you got to do is just put your faith in him just do like i said acknowledge you're a sinner believe on the lord jesus and you will be saved yeah i probably made that way more difficult than it needed to be but <laughs> I like that. Story. No, that was good. But I am going to um, add a little bit of background noise with the dogs. No, but I'm going to add a little bit here. Um, from uh, Paul's letter to the Romans here, chapter 5, verse 12, says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people, because all sinned. And that's speaking of Adam, just like you were talking about, Jay. And then we bump down to verse 18 here in chapter 5. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. So uh, you also touched on one other thing that I wanted to, and I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, oh, right. So, so uh, Jesus' death, right? So, um, a dead man can't sin, right? So, Jesus died. Therefore, the law has no effect over him. So, you, you and I, being police officers, if somebody uh, commits a crime but they die in the process, say uh, a DOI crash, right, and, and it kills you know, some victims. Well, if that driver dies in the, in the process, there is no crime, right? There's no crime. There's no one to prosecute. Uh, so that's exactly what, what happened for us. Okay. Jesus took our crimes, our sins, and he took them to the cross with him. Every sin that we have committed are committing or will commit. And he died on the cross for those sins. He was the perfect sacrifice and he took our crimes with him and he died. Okay. So there's, there's no one else to prosecute. And then he came back from the dead in order to uh, show us that this thing is real, that this actually happened. Because, I mean, if he had died and not risen from the dead, we, we couldn't really say whether uh, our, our sacrifice was accepted, right? In, in Old Testament, when the 
the uh, uh, priest would go into the Holy of Holies, if he didn't come back out afterward, they would not know if their sacrifice had been accepted. But when he did come out, the people would all cheer because they knew that their their sins were covered for another year, right? So yeah. in the same way, Jesus had to die, pay for our sins, and then come back to life to show us that that sacrifice has been accepted, and it has. It has, and that's been proven many times over that, uh, that that's the only possible outcome is that Jesus rose from the dead. He didn't. He didn't stay dead. Uh, you know, they, the disciples didn't remove him from the tomb because the Romans would have had to pay his price, and that never happened. You know, they would have had to die for allowing some, you know, this thing to happen. Um, and the priests, uh, the, you know, Levitical priests certainly didn't want that to happen because that would have made this Christianity thing uh, even more believable. And that was a problem for them at the time. So, I mean, you and I both know that Jesus rose from the dead. And so the only question is, uh, what do we do with it? So Jesus died for our sins. What are we going to do about it? So, yeah. It's your faith in Christ, man. Believe on him and you'll be saved. You know, that was, was that Peter in the jail? The, the, the jailer said that, you know, came to mm -hmm. Peter's feet because he thought he was going to die. And he said, what, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Yeah. 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 Really, it's pretty simple. It's, it's, <laughs> it's simple, but it's not easy sometimes. So, and believe you me, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that this, uh, this walk is going to be easy. What it means is that there's somebody to take that burden. So, yeah. Well, thanks, Jay. Well, thanks for having me. This is fun. Good. Maybe we'll do it another time again, unless we're, you know, unless we're gone. That would be good. That would be good. I could go home. I'm ready so. for that. <laughs> All right, brother. Cool. All right, brother. So, hey, guys, uh, again, like we say every week, check us out on Instagram, on Facebook, Thin Line Believers. Uh, pretty easy to find. Just type it on in there. we got some exciting stuff coming in the future. Uh, I'm not going to let the cat out of the bag just yet, but um, I think uh, Steve and I will have some some exciting news here before too long. So, uh, anyway, thanks for tuning in. If you got questions, thinlinebelievers at gmail.com. And, yeah, God bless. Take care.